0: Just a note, um, just so the teachers can get ready for the kids, it's best if we can keep them from going down until after the song is over so that they can be prepared for them when they go down. Um, So uh, this morning, we're going to look at Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Uh, If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew 1, 18 to 25 as we look at the beginning of the book of Matthew over the course of these four weeks of Advent. We're on the second week of Advent, and uh, we looked last week at the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Um, all of uh, Jesus' ancestors here, um, his earthly ancestors that Matthew lists in chapter 1. And then uh, the part that we're going to get to now is he's, he's going to start with the narrative of the life of Jesus and beginning with the birth of Jesus. Although he doesn't really focus on the birth, he focuses on the pregnancy and really he focuses on Joseph. And one of the reasons he focuses on Joseph, as I said last week, his, his book is, is really targeting um, those who are Jewish and, uh, and those who know the Old Testament well. And, and so one of the reasons I think he focuses on Joseph, Jesus' earthly father, is to make this, again, make this connection that Jesus is in the line of David. You know, Joseph here is referred to, as you'll see in this passage, he's referred to as a son of David. And so since Joseph, is his earthly father, gives Jesus his name, Jesus is now also a son of David as well. So, so Matthew is kind of hammering away at this, this fact that Jesus, this, this, this person Jesus, is the one that the Israelites have been waiting for, that the Jewish people have been waiting for, that all of the Old Testament prophecies have been pointing towards. Okay? And uh, in this passage, the, there's a, a name that Jesus is referred to that is one of the most beloved names that, that all of us uh Uh, think of him as, especially during Christmas, Emmanuel, which means God with us. So listen to God's word as I read from Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us now to pay attention to you. To listen to what you have to say to us through this passage. And we pray, Father, that your Spirit would work in us to draw us closer to you, to help us to live in light of the truth that because of Christ, God is with us today. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it will be no surprise that I want to start off from an illustration from It's a Wonderful Life this morning. It's One of my favorite Christmas movies, you, you, many of you know that, but uh, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when George Bailey is walking down the street with Mary, um, this girl that he'd grown up with, this girl that, that was just in love with him, she adored him, and they, they were walking home after like a high school dance. He had graduated a few years ago, and, and he'd come back to the dance, and, and they'd all fall in this, this indoor pool in the, in the auditorium, and they're, so they're all soaking wet, they're walking home. And uh, he's just talking and talking and talking and talking. And all he's talking about is what he wants to do out there. You know, he's like, I, I can't wait. I, I want to I get out of this crummy town and I want to go, you know, explore the world. I'm going to travel all over the world, you see. And, and, I, and then maybe after I'm done with that, I'm going to come back and I'm going I'm to go to school and see what they know. And then when, they're, when I'm done with that, then I'm going to build things. I'm going to do all this incredible stuff out there i'm going to i'm going to do all this incredible stuff and the entire time he has this incredible young woman who is there just adoring him and he's kind of oblivious to her and the best part about it is that as they're walking down the street there's this there's this guy this middle-aged man sitting on his porch and he's sitting there in his t-shirt and, uh, and he's got a pipe in his mouth, he's, he's bald, and, and he's reading a newspaper, you know, and he's listening, he's eavesdropping to their conversation, well, he's eavesdropping to George, just go on and on and on. And finally, he stands up, because he's, he's so frustrated, because George doesn't realize what he has right there with him, and he's like, why don't you just kiss her instead of talking her to death? And you know, you can, he doesn't say it outright, but in his, in his voice, you know, you can hear him like, you're a fool! You're a fool. You have this incredible young woman here with you and you don't even notice her. You don't even notice her. You're just focused on all this other stuff. You're focused on what you want to do and, and all this other stuff out there. And, you, and, you, and you're missing this incredible thing that you have right here with you, right? And then it's followed up, you know, with one of my favorite lines in the movie when, when he's like, oh, come on. When, when he, he goes inside, he's like, you know, youth is wasted on all the wrong people. And then George yells at him and he's like, come on back here. I'm going to show, show you some kissing that'll put, put hair on your head, you know? I don't know why, that line always makes me laugh. But uh, it doesn't have anything to do with what I'm talking about. One of the big promises (laughs) that is, uh, but I just had to share it because I just love that line so much. One of the big promises that is realized with the coming of Jesus is the promise of Emmanuel, right? Emmanuel means what? It means God with us. God with us with the coming of Jesus we have something that is beyond what we can even really comprehend something that is greater than than we we e- even can even experience or imagine we have god with us and yet i'm afraid that so many of us are living like george bailey as we are so focused on ourselves and we're so focused on what we want to do and we're so focused on all this other stuff out there, the good stuff and the bad stuff and everything, that we miss this incredible reality that God is with us. That God is with us. That's the question. Are Are we actually acknowledging this truth? Are we taking advantage of the reality that God is with us today? Or are we living unaware, just like George Bailey? Um, as, as this news, so we have Joseph who's, who's betrothed to Mary here, right? And in those days, betrothal was something kind of like engagement, but it was beyond that. It was more than engagement because if you broke off your betrothal, you really had to divorce the person. They hadn't, they hadn't come together yet. They hadn't started living together in the same home, but they were committed to one another. They were promised to one another. And so to break off this betrothal was a serious thing. It was the equivalent of divorce, okay? And so Joseph hears this news that this young woman that he is betrothed to is pregnant, right? And I would imagine that that would have just kind of completely derailed him. This man, Joseph, who's described as just, as righteous, a man who obviously cared about living a holy life in God's sight, a righteous life, and then he finds out that this woman that he is betrothed to is pregnant. What's he going to do? I mean, I don't know about you, but there are moments in my life when I face like these massive problems that I, I, you know, I get this news and I'm like, how am I going to figure this out? And it's feeling overwhelming and I'm burdened by it and and it makes me feel incredibly alone. And I can't imagine that, that Joseph was feeling some of those feelings, right? Just his mind working overtime. How am I going to handle this problem? What am I going to do? And in the midst of his feeling incredibly alone, this angel shows up to him in a dream. And just the, the, the fact of this angel showing up to him and speaking to him on behalf of God was a reminder to Joseph that he's not alone, that God is with him. And then what the angel says to him is, is revolutionary and an and evidence of the fact that God is with him. And so the question is, how would he respond? And and in this this passage, I think, as, as the angel appears to Joseph in his dream, God is telling Joseph three things, and I think he's telling us the same three things. Okay? The first thing that he's telling Joseph and us is, Look, you fools. Look, you fools. As I said, I can't imagine how unsettling this whole experience was for Joseph. As I said, he was betrothed to Mary, uh, this young woman, and, uh, and then he finds out that she's pregnant. And, and you know, from his perspective, this is, this is uh, you know, the, the result of, of sin. And, and as I said, he, he was a just, he was a righteous man. He cared about holiness. And so how could he go through with this marriage? I mean, Mary deserved, by a lot of the laws, to, to be stoned to death. How could he, you know, at just, just the fact that he was betrothed to her and, and, and he finds out that she's pregnant, it was a stain on his reputation, right? And yet he was, he was a good guy. He cared about her. And so it says he, he decided to, to divorce her quietly so that he wouldn't bring her to shame. And then this, he, he, you must, as, as I mentioned before, you know, when, when, you're, when you're wrestling with some big problem sometimes, it's just like you, you can't turn your mind off. You're just thinking about it. You're thinking about it. It's, it's hard to even go to sleep, right? I can imagine that's what Joseph was doing, is he was falling asleep one night. He's just thinking and thinking and thinking, how am I going to deal with this? What's gonna, what are going to be the repercussions? How am I going to handle, you know, the fallout of this whole situation? And eventually he can't, fall, he can't stay awake anymore, and he falls asleep, and there is the angel in his dream. And what does the angel say to him? Well, one of the things that the angel says to him, the angel says, do not be afraid for the child, right? The child that is, uh, which is conceived in Mary is from the Holy Spirit. The angel points out that this isn't just any ordinary child. This isn't any ordinary pregnancy. The child that is growing in Mary is the result of God. The presence of God the power of God, the spirit of God. That is where this child has come from. Not from Mary's sin, but from God himself. The, this, this child growing inside of Mary is God himself. As the angel goes on to say, you know, he's, you should call him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus sounds like, you know, the, the word for God saves. God saves. And, and then you find out later, this is a, a a result of of the the, fulfillment of the promise, which says, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Over and over again, the angel is saying to Joseph, this baby is not an ordinary baby. This baby is God. God himself. Come to save his people. Come to be with his people. And so, one of the things I think this passage, Matthew's trying to emphasize in this passage, is he's trying to make it clear that this baby that is growing inside of Mary, this baby that, is, that Mary gives birth to, this baby is divine. This baby is God. He's not just a regular human baby. He is, he is man, but he's also fully divine, fully God. Now, I can't imagine, as Joseph takes this information in, You know, he, he obviously responds to it and believes it, As he begins to live his life, as he watches Mary's pregnancy develop and the baby grow inside of Mary, can you imagine what he's thinking? As he looks at Mary and her belly getting bigger and bigger, he's like, he's looking at her with a whole new perspective. He's like, that's God in there. When the baby is born, I can remember when our firstborn, Titus, was born and I first held him in my arms and I looked in his face and I was like, I felt like I was looking in a mirror in a lot of ways, you know? I can imagine, you know, what was Joseph thinking when he held Jesus for the first time? As he looked into Jesus' face, this little baby, some of what he's thinking had to have been, this is God. As he watched Jesus grow as a toddler, just begin to walk, to begin to talk, Joseph was looking at God. As he watched Jesus grow up and mature and develop, and grow, as Luke says, in wisdom and stature. Joseph's looking at God. Joseph you know, has to wrestle with this idea that he is now living under the same roof as God. Can you imagine how crazy that must have been for him? He, he had a front row seat. Not that you know, Jesus, from the time that he began speaking, was all of a sudden just clearly displaying what you know, the full nature of who God is. And yet, you know, as Luke says, you know, he had to grow in wisdom and stature. And yet, you know, he, was, he was very much a regular toddler and, 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 and young child in a lot of ways. And yet, he was absolutely different because he was God. And, and to the degree that he was able, to the, to the degree that he was different. You know, you even see it as, as uh, you know, he's, he's older and, and, and he stays behind in the temple, right? He acts differently than normal kids do. And it was an opportunity for Joseph to, to look and see what God is like to have a front row seat under his own roof. Because this is what Matthew is pointing out. To look at Jesus is to look at God. That was an amazing experience for Joseph. But I think Matthew's trying to tell every single person who reads this the same thing. If you want to know what God is really like, you have to look at Jesus. He is God in human form, fully God. You know, you can can get a sense of what God is like by looking at creation, yes. You can get a sense of what God is like by looking at other people who are made in the image of God, but you can only really understand what God is like when you start to look at the person of Jesus, at the way that he interacts with people, at the way that he speaks to people, at the way that he treats people, at the way that he responds to situations in his life. When you look at Jesus, you're looking at God. So my, that's my main point here, this, this first point. We have the, 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 the coming of, of God in the person of Jesus, walking this, in, in this world. And we have records of it here in our Bible. We, we have an opportunity. If we want to really know God, then we need to look at Jesus. To not spend a lot of our time thinking about what Jesus is really like and how he acts And how he treats people and the way he speaks is foolish. Because we have an opportunity to look at God by simply looking at Jesus and thinking about him. So he says, look, you fools. First thing he says. The second thing he says is, relax, you fools. Relax. In the midst of Joseph's anxiety and his stress, the angel says, do not fear. Do not fear. Do not fear, Joseph. Do not fear to take Mary As your wife, the child to be born will be named Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So, first of all, the the angel says, Joseph, as you think about your circumstances that are incredibly overwhelming, where you're like, I don't think there's a good resolution to this situation for Mary or for me, for anybody. And yet God says, Don't fear your circumstances. Relax. Relax. I'm here. I'm with you. I'm working. The child that is conceived in her is is of the Holy Spirit. It's my doing. Relax. And so, in a very basic way, as as God appears to, to Joseph through this angel in this dream, God is saying, I am with you. You need to relax. You don't need to worry because I have got this whole situation covered. It's part of my plan. And so in a real way, in in a very basic way, what God is saying when he says he is with us, he's telling us to relax when we think about our circumstances in life. No matter how overwhelming they might seem, no matter how heartbreaking they might seem, no matter how hard they might seem, God says, relax, I am working, I am working. But even more importantly than that, I think he says, relax, Don't, don't fear your circumstances, but don't fear me. When we talk about Jesus being called Emmanuel, God with us, really the, the, the most important thing that that communicates is, is that he is no longer against us. Right? As, as the angel tells Joseph, he says, name him Jesus. Why? Because he's going to save his people from their sins. See, the problem is, every single person from the very first human beings that were created have turned their backs on God. We have all fallen short of who he calls us to be, how he calls us to live, how he calls us to think, how he calls us to feel. We have all broken the template that he has given us. We have lived for ourselves rather than living for him. And because of that, God cannot be with us. God in his holiness and us in our sin, there's a, a gulf that separates us. And yet, God sends his son into the world to do what? to save us by living a perfect life, by dying on the cross to pay for our sins. It's, it's through his sacrifice on the cross that, that he takes the judgment for our sin and enables us to come into his presence again, to be with him. That is the core promise of Emmanuel, God with us. We no longer have to fear God's judgment if we receive the work of Jesus. We no longer have to fear God's, what God thinks of us that he's disappointed with us, that he's frustrated with us. We can rest, we can relax in the fact that God delights in us, that he's content with us, that he's committed to us, that he loves us. That's what it means that God is with us. And it's absolutely true for Joseph as it is for all of us. We no longer have to fear God, we no longer have to fear our circumstances, and we can relax We can relax. We don't have to wear ourselves out trying to impress God with the good things that we do. We don't have to wear ourselves out trying to be somebody else that we're not. We don't have to wear ourselves out trying to make sure that God is pleased with us. We don't have to wear ourselves out worrying about this massive problem in our life, trying to figure it out. And make sure that we're going to be okay. We can relax because we know that he is with us. That he's on our side. And that he is going to make sure we are okay. We can relax. To not relax because the the creator and sustainer and ruler of the universe is with us. Would be foolish. So we need to relax. The last thing I see him saying here is that we need to respond. He says, respond you fools respond to him. So Joseph has had this dream and the angel has appeared to him and told him that God is with him, right? Mary's miraculous pregnancy is, and the birth of this child is evidence of that. And then Joseph wakes up. I wonder what it was like for Joseph after he woke up from this dream. What do you think that was like? Was this the sort of dream, have you ever had one of those dreams when it was so incredible that you're like, you were like fighting to go back to sleep to try to enter the dream again? That's happened to me before. I remember when I was a kid, I had a dream about like, playing in a baseball game, and I was like, playing out of my mind. It was like a professional game or something. I don't know. There was, there was stands filled with people, and, and like, the game came down to me being at bat, and the, ball, the, the pitcher pitched the ball to me, and I had this incredible hit. and It, was, it like, went out in the outfield and went off the wall, and I was, like, it was just so exciting. The crowd was about to stand up and erupt, and I woke up. And I was, like, desperately trying to fall back asleep so I could finish the dream, so I could, like, enjoy running around the bases, you know? I just couldn't do it. It just doesn't work that way. I don't know if any of you, if if you've ever succeeded in doing that, let me know how you do it, okay? But I wonder if Joseph kind of felt like that, like he was in the presence of an angel, telling him about the one who would be God with us who's going to, to live with him, he's gonna have an opportunity to see him and raise him even. I mean, maybe that was overwhelming, maybe that was scary, but that had to be had been exciting as well. Maybe Joseph had some questions he wanted to ask the angel, like, I gotta get back to sleep. Maybe he could clear some things up for me. How is this gonna work? But no matter what, he had this information, this new information of the presence of God, actively at work, right in his immediate vicinity, in the life of Mary, in his own life, right? And so the only thing, the only sane thing that he could do was respond and do something. It required, this news required that he do something, right? That he actually obey and actually marry Mary to go through with the marriage, And, uh, you know, that had to have been scary for him. You know, all of the issues that were there before were still there. All of the opinions of the whole town, everyone else, was still there. There was still going to be a stain on his reputation. You know, everybody else wasn't necessarily going to believe their story. And so it was going to be hard. It was going to be scary. It was going to be costly for him. And yet, he had no choice. To ignore what the angel said, to ignore this news, would have been foolish, right? He had to do something. He had to do something. Um, this quote, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. It, it's from Isaiah 7. We read it. I think it was last week we read it. And, you know, in the, in the bigger context, this promise is given from isaiah to king ahaz who's a a bad king he was a bad king and at the time he was experiencing threats from other nations outside of him that were going to come and conquer judah and he was concerned and he was he he wasn't sure what he should do and isaiah came to him he's like these 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 people aren't going to conquer you you're going to be okay that's what god says and, and Isaiah says, ask God for a sign to confirm that that's going to happen. And you know what Ahaz says to him? That's okay. Don't give me a sign. I'll just figure this out on my own, essentially. I'm happy to just do this on my own without, you know. And, and Isaiah says, no, the, the sign, he's going to give you a sign whether you like it or not. You know, the virgin, this young woman's going to bear a son. They're going to call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And, and it's not only a promise of comfort, For Ahaz, it's actually a promise of judgment. God's with you, Ahaz. You need to start acting like it. You need to to take his help. You need to trust him. And you know what Ahaz does? Ahaz ends up going to some other nation, Assyria, to get help, rather than trusting God. He just does things his own way. Instead of acting on the information of the prophet, on the promise of God, on the presence of God. That's what foolishness is. And Ahaz ended up being judged by God. This Assyria, the nation that he turned to, ended up you know, being bad for Judah. This is the only, only thing we can do in response to the fact that God is with us. It's not only something that is absolutely comfort- comforting, that gives us the opportunity to relax, it's also something that should be convicting for us. As I live my life, I need to think about the fact that God is always with me. That should change the way that as, as, I, as I do my work, as I sit at my computer, as I have meetings with other people, that should change the way that I actually do my work. That should change the way that I see the people that I work with and treat them and speak to them. As you go into school, as you enter the, your, your school building, as you, as you think about the other students that you're going to be there with during that day, the fact that God is with you should change the way that you think about those other people and treat them. The fact that God is with you should change the way that you think about what you want to accomplish during your day. And how you treat the people that you live with. And how you interact with the people that you don't know. This is scary. It might be hard, but it's absolutely one of the implications of the fact that God is with us. This is good news that God is with us. But if he is with us, then we can't ignore his presence. We can't ignore it. We can't just rejoice in the fact that God is with us and then do nothing. Or do anything that we want. God being with us at every moment should should radically change how I'm living my life. And so Joseph is given this incredible news, this incredible promise... You're going to be a father, Joseph. You're going to be this child's earthly father. God with us. Emmanuel. That's incredible news. That must have you know, totally, obviously, that changed what Joseph did. Joseph changed how he was living his life. He, he, Instead of divorcing Mary, he married her. No matter what the cost. He must have wondered how it was all going to work out, though. He had this promise that Jesus was going to save his people from their sins. We find out later, as you, as you watch the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus, you find out later that Joseph is no longer around. He must have died at some point during Jesus' life before he goes to the cross because it's only his mother there. Um, so Joseph never really got to see how it all worked out. He was only given the promise and, and, and had to live in light of what God said was going to happen. as as murky and hazy as that might have been. The thing is, we actually have a clear picture of how it all worked out, right? We might not have had, you know, physically, tangibly, God living under our roof, but we've been able to see the life of Jesus. We are able to see how Jesus actually did love and sacrifice for those around him, how he actually did allow himself to be hung on a cross, We've actually been able to look back and see how he rose from the dead, all to accomplish for us this incredible promise that God is with us. And the question is will we be foolish and ignore that fact, or will we look? Will we relax? Will we respond? One of my favorite Christmas albums is by a guy named Michael Card, if, if any of you guys know who he is. Um, but there's one of the songs on his album. We used to sing it regularly at Hope Church. It's called Emmanuel. And one of the things that I love about his, his songs are always so very much influenced by the Bible. And, uh, and he makes these connections that are, that are fantastic. And there's one connection he, he makes with, uh, he's talking about this, this promise of Emmanuel in Isaiah 7. But then he makes this connection of, of Isaiah 7 with Romans 8. And in Romans 8, it talks about how nothing, but for those who, who've received the work of Jesus Christ, nothing will separate us from the love of God. Nothing will separate us from him and his love and his presence. And, and there's a line in, in, in Romans 8 where it says where, where, where he says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also? along with him, graciously give us all things. And he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, if God is with us, who can be against us? And and Michael Card makes this connection. And and at the end of his song, he he writes this, what will be your answer? Will you hear the call of him who did not spare his son, but gave him for us all? And then the chorus says, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, Our God is with us, and if God is with us, who can stand against us? Relax. Who can stand against us? Relax. Look at him and and take him in. Respond to him. He's here. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us to respond We we pray that you would protect us from being foolish. As we have all of this information, these promises, the words of the angel, the life of Joseph and Mary, the life of Jesus himself, the words of the prophet hundreds of years before. Father, help us to, to take advantage of this incredible gift that you give us, of your presence today. That you are with us. That we might relax and know that we are loved. Help us to think about how we might need to live differently. How we might need to choose differently. Because you're here. Father, thank you for showing us yourself in the person of Jesus. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're now going to Take a a moment to meet Jesus at the Lord's table.